Welcome to Meet the Manufacturers podcast, brought to you by Manufacture CT and sponsored by Cone Resnick, who are dedicated to helping manufacturers and distributors to enhance their competitive position and succeed in high-pressure trade environments. Visit them online at coneresnick.com. Meet the Manufacturers is available on all of the world's biggest podcast platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, and Spotify. Never miss an episode again and subscribe today, wherever you get your podcasts from. On every episode, we take the opportunity to learn more about a local manufacturing business. On this episode of Meet the Manufacturers, I am pleased to introduce Dave Kremin, the president of Stratford-based Stratton Industries. Also with him, Melissa Mazzo, the manufacturing process engineer. Stratton Industries is a certified contract manufacturer of molds, tools, dyes, and stampings. It's a privately held Connecticut company founded in 1961, and I am excited to find out more. Dave and Melissa, welcome to Meet the Manufacturers. Thank you, Claire. Thank you. Okay, let's fire this off. Dave, let's start with you. You're the boss. You've got the big title of president. Tell me a little bit about your company and the products that you make. We are a small but very fierce little company, and our products are really divided up into two categories. One is aircraft-related and space. So we're supporting large OEMs that, that go around and fly, basically, in whatever aircraft it may be. We also are connected to the space program. So, and, and today that's pretty diverse as you see SpaceX and other companies just going up on their own. Oh my goodness. Yeah, I watched that just yesterday. That was insane. And we're not just going to the space station. We're going far beyond that. We're up in Mars. We're on both rovers that are crawling around on the uh, Martian surface doing samples, etc. We've been very involved with the drilling systems, with the core drills, et cetera. So it's very exciting for us to hear about that in the news in real time and know that the things we were touching uh, more than a year ago, because it's a nine month trip to get there, are now actually being used and we really get a great kick out of that. That is wild, it truly is. In fact, I go as far as to say is it's out of this world. Oh, it's a, bad, it's a dad joke. It's a dad joke. Yeah, <laughs> so come on then, Dave, can you describe your customer or the end user of the products you make? You know, I'm thinking SpaceX, I'm thinking NASA. Uh, who are the, the end users and what are their goals and their needs? Yeah, they are truly large companies. A lot of the companies we deal with are due over a billion dollars in revenue. We like that. That helps to pay the bills. I have to admit they're good at paying their bills. But uh, their needs are, they really need support. These are companies that are very large and uh, they want fast, smart people like Melissa to solve problems for them and to turn around and give them a deliverable by a certain date. Precision is getting more precision every year. The, uh, the tolerances are, are really expected now. Years ago, it was something you hoped for, now they're really expected. So that's what they're looking for. Give it to me complex, fast, and you know, on time. And that's the key factor. It's quite amazing. So tell me then a little bit about your career to date, if you don't mind, Dave. How did you arrive at the lofty role of president? Well, I really grew up in this company. We're a second generation company. My dad started it in 1961 with a partner. 
they were tooling with die guys. They basically built stamping presses, and that was a very different time in the manufacturing world. That was before China and Japan came on as powerhouse competitors. And we're in the, you know, we're right on the edge of Bridgeport. We're in Stratford, Connecticut, but Bridgeport was a World War II powerhouse of manufacturing that went all the way up to Springfield, Massachusetts, a sort of alleyway of manufacturing, which is very unique in Connecticut. So here were two young guys in the early, early 60s building these very complicated stamping dies. And uh, I jumped into the game in my early 20s and came on board and I sort of changed the business as it needed to change because at that point, the Japanese really started to take over as a big global competitor and following that was China. We had to change this business, but the fortunate thing was that CNC and computerized equipment came on and we embraced that. And I think that was a very key thing that we just kept changing with the world and finding out where we could be competitive and where we could match up with customers who needed our services. And we changed our services as we needed to. So I went through the whole process. I was a tool and die making apprentice. That's an 8,000 hour course. It takes you about four years. And simultaneously, I went to night school and got a business degree. And uh, about in the late eighties, I came out with both in hand. I had my journeyman papers, so I knew how to make stuff. And I was, uh, I had a BS degree in business. So I knew a little bit about how to read a balance sheet. And I just kept moving along in the company. I surrounded myself with tremendously talented and good people. And that's how we got here. My dad eventually retired. He's now passed, but uh, he left a great legacy. And I learned a lot. I learned a lot by making mistakes and uh, having a tolerant father who, you know, kind of let me uh, go on my own. So uh, that's how I got here. It sounds like that and lots of hard work as well. Melissa, what about yourself then? Tell me a little bit about your career to date and how did you end up in this role? So I actually started off in manufacturing when I was 14 years old. I went to Platt Tech in Milford and our, my concentration was manufacturing technology. So I've been in the machine shop since I was 14, graduated in 2010, and I was in the field for a while working in various machine shops. Fast forward to about 2014, I decided to get an engineering degree. So I went off for a couple of years and I came back home about two years ago, uh, two, three years ago uh, to continue machining while I saved up more money to go back to school. And right in the beginning of the pandemic in late February, early March, I went over to visit Dave Tuttle um, over at Platt Tech just to stop by. And it was a Monday and he's like, hey, uh, Strand Industries is looking for people. Are you looking for a job? And I said, honestly, I'm not looking for a job, but you know, doesn't hurt to go see what another company is looking like. And at that point I was machining full time. I was working about like 55 hour weeks on top of trying to go to school at the same time. So it was pretty hectic, but I fit in an interview uh, by 1 p.m. I had an interview at three. At three, I came by, met the team. And by that Friday, they called me back. They told me to come back for a second interview. And a year and a half later, here I am today. So I've been in machining and manufacturing for a while. My degree that I'm pursuing is in mechanical engineering, which is pretty broad because I love space and working with aerospace since I was really young. It's been a really great focus to be studying in. And this job is really have been like letting me touch all types of industries and all types of work. And it's been a real big blessing. Oh, that's amazing. I have to be honest, I was watching the civilian flight yesterday it was. Are you somebody who would have liked to have taken part in the old SpaceX civilian flight? 
Absolutely. You better bet I put my <laughs> application in when they were asking for it. So Dave, if one day I decide to get called to go to space, I'm sorry, I'm going to space. <laughs> <laughs> I need vacation. And let's face it, there's not much of that in America. Uh, so tell me a little bit more, Melissa, your, your role is the manufacturing process engineer. What does that actually entail on the day to day? Well, for sure, every day is different, which is great. I'm kept on my toes at every moment. And one thing that I have to note that during my interview, I was very honest with the company and with Dave. And I told them, I said, I don't want to be bored. Uh, I was a machinist and uh, in my previous job and I was doing job shop stuff. So lots of a thousand, two thousand plus parts. And I told him straight up, I said, hey guys, I don't want to be bored. And I am not bored. Every single day, there's something to do. So in terms of my role, I come in, they, once the orders are formally placed with Stratton, I take a look at the blueprints, take a look at the processes, take a look at the POs, read what they want, the requirements, look up specs, uh, research and do a lot of research in terms of making sure we're gonna do the correct work and whatever processes that the customer wants. And I process them through our ERP system. And from that point, once the jobs are formally on the floor, if there's any changes, if there's any issues, if there's any questions, sometimes they'll come to me and we will sort those out. So there's plenty to keep you very busy by the sounds of it. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> okay, Dave, question for you, if you don't mind. You're the president. What does your regular day look like? Can you describe your role and responsibilities? Is there such a thing as an average day for you? No, there really isn't because every day we are a you know build to order type company and you know, as Melissa said, we don't we don't do thousands for the most part of anything. So it's a lot of things are very we'll call high complexity, low volume. It's an exciting, very rapidly changing environment in terms of what your what your current customer needs. I'm kind of like a little bumblebee that flies around, and I just stop in and see people and say, "Where do you need help?" Uh, do you need more equipment? Do you need more people? Do you need support here or there? Where are the difficulties? Where's the pain points? And how can we smooth that out? So my day has somewhat of a fluid structure to it, but there's no two days alike. I've got this image of you as a bumblebee now, Dave. It's done me in. I, I feel like <laughs> perhaps the podcast graphic that accompanies this should be you superimposed as a bumblebee. I'm not sure how professional that would be, but hey. Sounds about right. Yeah. So <laughs> I, I'm not sure who's best uh, place to answer this one, but could you tell me more about the equipment uh, and all the machinery that you use to make your products? I know you mentioned the CNC stuff. You're doing some real specific, very highly precise work. What equipment do you use on your shop floor? Yes, we uh, have a lot of very wide variety of equipment. It's it gets more sophisticated every year. It gets more excited. We just brought in a five-axis machining center that has a pallet changer. So not only can it work on five axes, but it can actually change out a workpiece and then grab another one with the lights out. We could do that at two o'clock in the morning, which is really exciting for us because that levels sort of the competitive playing field to some degree. We're in a very or a more expensive area being in Connecticut than let's say someone in the um, deep south or midwest but if you can start to get to lights out then it really starts to level the playing field in fact even we can uh, compete internationally in some levels that we never could before so it's very exciting it's very expensive it does require more 
challenging brain power from our shop floor personnel who have to tackle that task. But they're also very excited. I think at the end of the day, they go home sort of pleasantly exhausted, we'll say intellectually, because they've been challenged. And it, it, but the rewards are great. You walk in the next morning and you see what the machine did at, uh, you know, middle of the night with the lights out. That's really a tremendous uh, accomplishment. We have a very wide variety of equipment. We do everything from turning and milling and drilling to EDM, which is electro electrical discharge machining, very, very fussy grinding. So we're a very wide variety environment. We just brought in a laser marking machine last week. We have 3D printers to print prototypes. It's a very widely changing landscape. It sounds like fun to me. It sounds like it sounds like a, a toy shop for for manufacturers. That's for sure. So you're obviously part of the family business, second generation. Was the plan always for you to follow in your dad's footsteps and to work in manufacturing? Absolutely not. I was uh, <laughs> when I grew up. You know, imagine what a machine shop looked like in the 1970s. There was no computerized equipment. There was no lean manufacturing. There was no 5s. These are all management techniques that you use to have a, a, a clean professional environment. Nobody was doing that. So at the same time, I had an uncle who was an airline pilot. So you can imagine like, you know, the comparison for me. So I was really thinking about going into the flying business more so than the manufacturing. And I actually uh, embarked and I went to an aeronautical university and uh, did really well in my first year, but I took an accounting course and I just got the bug about business. I thought this is fantastic. So um, that's the route I went. And then, you know, computer machining came along and it just got really exciting really fast. So I never looked back. I was glad I made the change, but I was also glad that I, uh, I pursued what I thought I was going to do. Awesome. And Melissa, you obviously have been involved in manufacturing since you were 14. I think that's probably fair to say a career in manufacturing was always your, your path. Well, uh, actually, no, I did not plan on being anything in manufacturing. So my plan was to go to a technical high school so I can have a trade to, to fall back on in case I didn't like veterinarian school. Can you believe that? Like I was no gonna go <laughs> fix animals and cause I wanted to do something medical. My mom's been in the medical field since uh, she's from Colombia. So since the, her days in Colombia to here in America, um, she's been in the medical field. And I've always found that, you know, very inspiring. But when I was 14 and I was one of three girls in our shop, uh, which one, which is uh, in the quality department here at Stratton, I realized that I really loved making something out of absolutely nothing. Just a block of wood, a block of steel, a block of aluminum, and then making it to whatever I wanted. Having that power was really great. And um, at one point we were doing research, I think maybe my, my junior year of high school, where we were looking at different types of careers in manufacturing fields and biotech and space uh, popped up in, in my essay that I was writing. And I was like, wow, like this is really cool. And unfortunately, you know, trying to convey to my mom, hey, fabrication and manufacturing, <laughs> that's what me, 15 year old Melissa wants to do. And she really didn't understand, you know, I, I love my mom, she's great, but it's like, you know, didn't couldn't kind of get past that like you know you're kind of doing boy stuff so I was always up against that and eventually I was like you know what this is what I want to do I want to do manufacturing I want to do engineering so that's where I landed at this point you know and never look back I would love to do you know hopefully we'll bring jobs in where we can do some biotech but this you know space is endless space is 
literally at this moment still expanding and to know that like all that knowledge is still out there to be seen just keeps the fire going that's amazing i remember telling my mum i wanted to be a seismologist and i got a similar response um apparently there weren't too many uh, fault lines and earthquake situations in the uk so i i had that same disappointing face from my mm-hmm, mum back mm-hmm. in the day yeah <laughs> so, i feel it <laughs> so what skills or educational training you spoke about you know the technical college that you went to tell me more about what skills or educational training have turned out to be most important to you melissa well um i went to a technical high school so a ninth grade to 12th grade that's all I did. So half the time we were in our academics, just like a normal high school. I graduated with a normal high school degree. However, on the other, so it's about 180 days of school days, 90 days we had all academics, 90 days we had shop. It would, during my time at Platts, so it's about seven days on, seven days off, and it switched around like that throughout the entire year. So eventually I went off to college and there's a lot that I learned. I always asked why, like, why is this? Why is that? So I was making flight safety parts at my previous job and I did not understand how powerful that was in our industry. And then when I was off learning all the engineering lingo and how much, you know, force pounds this particular part would actually need to be screwed onto this other mating part, you know, it was very eye-opening. And and it it's crazy because it goes down to even the basics of material, how material is melted, how it's processed. Mm-hmm. And our our customers are very intricate customers where we unfortunately cannot buy material, raw material from certain parts of the world. So it has to be controlled as to where it was melted, where the products came from, and even reading material information to making sure that it matches up to the blueprint specs and to what the customer wants. It all matters. It matters from the moment the metal is made, to what type of tool we're going to use to cut it. And it's been a journey. It's been great. Absolutely amazing. I'm in awe of you, Melissa. I've got to be honest. So which leads me on perfectly to the next question, Dave. What do you look for when somebody applies for a role at your company? Because you've clearly hit the jackpot here with Melissa. But what skills and attributes are you looking for? Well, I think Melissa is a great example. We're looking for energy in a lot of people. You know, are you enthused? Are you curious? Obviously experience, everybody wants somebody with experience. And if you find that, that's great. But regardless, even if you come in with experience, you're gonna learn a tremendous amount in this company just by doing and being involved with what we're doing. And it's uh, it's rare that somebody comes in completely turnkey. So then it comes down to, well, what, what do they offer? And to me, it's that kind of energy enthusiasm is probably one of the most key things I look for. If we get the experience in the background, that's icing on the cake. We certainly are interested. Well, you, I, like I said, you've definitely hit the jackpot with Melissa. I'm enthusiastic about what she does, and I've no idea what she makes. Uh, <laughs> <Thanks>. so, <laughs> so, what you are based in Stratford. Obviously, you've been there. I would assume since 1961, Dave. Yes, we have. You have. What, yes. are, what are your local community relations like? Do you get involved with local projects there or local charities or anything like that? We do participate to some degree in terms of donations. That's a, a forever ongoing need. You know, everybody is 
has a program and we try to support as many as we can. We're very active in the trade schools. I, I sit on an advisory committee with the trade school, Platt Tech in particular, as well as the local college, community college, where they're, you know, they in turn have a manufacturing program. Anytime we see something with manufacturing uh, and growth and, and young people who want to get involved or want to learn more about it or adult education for that matter, we get involved with. So, uh, we try to support whatever we can. It's it's exciting. It's great to give back to the community and um, expect to do more in the future. Brilliant. So do you get to cherry pick students from Platt? <laughs> well, I wouldn't say it's cherry picking. They do a tremendously good job at really engaging the students and keeping them enthused. And we we try to, but they've, they've got to be fair to everybody. And I think that it's you know, we, we try to show up and, and be there with COVID. It's been a challenge to actually get onto the shop floor of the schools, but it certainly helps to be there and to and for the kids to say, hey, this is where you're going to go. Prior to COVID, we had shop tours. We bring them in and say, this is the real, you know, the real environment. And I think that really helped. It got the kids to see like, wow, this is uh, this is what I can do. And, and it's kind of like, um, you know, like you said, it's uh, like a candy shop you know you can come in here and there's just so many things you can get involved with so i think it is a great rewarding career and it's what they're working towards it's a eye on the prize sort of thing now you just mentioned the pandemic of course how did it or has it affected your business in terms of supply chain or have you seen a resurgence in in buy american i mean you've talked about some of your products needing such intricate details i'm assuming that it's not something that any shop can manufacture the, the products that you're making, but how was your supply chain affected during the pandemic? Well, we've been lucky. Our business is, you know, it's aircraft. And we're also in the semiconductor sector too. We support that as well. They are, as you said, intricate businesses. So our needs were still, you know, we are still needed as a supplier. We did have some challenges with materials and as we've seen that labor has been scarce in virtually everything from services to manufacture, that does trickle up to us. We've been blessed that for the most part, what we really needed, we got. Some things have been delayed more than we thought. We did a good job of having everybody stay as healthy as they could throughout the whole thing. We did everything that you know the CDC advised. So our team was very responsive and very responsible towards one another. And I think we fared it pretty well we were blessed and we were in the right market at the right time in terms of what we supply so all in all we we fared pretty well other than coronavirus are you tackling any other new or exciting challenges just at the moment yes we are um we're growing and growing is always a challenge so we're literally busting out of our buildings and we have two buildings right now so we are looking at every piece of equipment we have and saying, does that need to be updated to be competitive and to continue to supply to our customers? We're looking at putting on another addition onto one of our buildings right now as well. So there's always challenges coming up. Our customers are challenging us as well because they have growth that's happening. So that's uh, exciting for us also. So on a more personal level, start with you, Dave, and we will move to you, Melissa, giving you the heads up. You've got time to think about this question. What three people or figures have had perhaps the most impact on your life or your career to date? I have to go back to my dad. He was uh, hugely inspirational to me. He showed me a career that I could have, and he really just got a jump started. I mean, I was able to take it further than either he or I went together. So I think that was... um, incredibly 
you know, inspirational to me. My mom was also very encouraging growing up. So those two were big ones. And my, my wife's been also very encouraging. There's these businesses that we're in, they're not always easy. And sometimes you come home and you're pretty beat up. <laughs> so you need somebody at the end of the day to say, uh, good job. And, you know, don't take it personally. Tomorrow's another day. You definitely do. Melissa, what about yourself? What three figures have, or people, have influenced you the most? Well, it, I definitely have to start with my mom. My mom's been the bread and butter of, I have an older brother and I. Uh, she she raised us just herself, uh, came to a completely new, different language uh, country uh, in the early, uh, late 80s, early 90s. And it's just, you know, seeing her and like seeing my mom like struggle and, you know, move careers and like raise us too. And, you know, my brother and I, like we didn't really know, like other than like, our own territory what we really wanted and and seeing my mom just continue to persevere and like move forward and you know always progress it, it really impacted me a lot in terms of like uh machining and being dirty well definitely i always was that kid that came home with <laughs> cuts and bruises and scrapes and my mom would be like that's oh. not very ladylike i was always playing with my brother and his friends and eventually when my brother got a car he was always tinkering in it and i would always look over his shoulder and you know, always ask questions. Oh, what's that? What does that do? What does this do? And to be quite honest, my third and most influential was probably my aunt Beatrice. Unfortunately, she passed on the beginning of this year, but my dad is one of 15 kids. And my aunt, my aunt Beatrice, she came to this country in mid eighties and it was just her and her two brothers and my grandfather who unfortunately I was not able to meet, but it was them three. They, they paved the road to bring our entire family here. My grandma right now uh, has 36 grandchildren and 30 great grandchildren. And I think two great, great grandchildren here all in the U S and it's been a blessing to see how the seed of hard work from my aunts and my, and my grandpa and my uncles really blossomed into this huge family and we're very close we're very together and you know we're, we're very happy to have called my aunt our aunt that's incredible in england we would say perhaps they should have bought a television that's a lot of children <laughs> i agree, children. I agree. Wow. <laughs> and it's not a cheap place to have kids here in the united states that's for sure okay question for you dave if i may when you're not working obviously and being the president what do you like to do to relax are you into tv sports gardening reading what's your passion oh well you know i've got two children six chickens a cat a dog i've got a swimming pool so the family's a big focus for me but you've only got two um, dave you don't go anywhere near melissa's family that's that's right that's right yeah yeah small fries small fries Melissa's got me beat by a lot by my and uh and, and more of a relaxing recreational thing. I row on Saturday mornings. I row in a four-man boat, a quad. And of course, Claire, you would know this from being from England that you know yes. they take rowing seriously. Very serious. Uh, so yeah, it's it's kind of a fun thing I do on Saturday mornings at the crack of dawn, sort of. And then afterwards we all go out to breakfast and uh, and we lie to each other. So it's a great time. Oh, in England, they just drink beer after having rowed for many hours on the Thames, as far as I'm aware. Uh, What about yourself, Melissa? What do you like to do to unwind? What do you like to do to chill out and relax? I love space. I'm a huge nerd. I listen to a lot of space podcasts, a lot of Neil deGrasse Tyson, who's an astrophysicist. Uh, Just learning about anything about space is kind of really what I go for. I purchased the telescope uh, late last year, and anytime there's a clear night and 
I have been doing it pretty religiously. I'll pop out my telescope. I'll just look at the stars, look at the moon, look at the planets that are out there, which currently right now you can see Jupiter and Saturn. Wow. But other than that, I do go to the gym and I, of course, with one of many of my cousins uh, here in Connecticut. <laughs> uh, and, I, and I do love to travel. So I'm not afraid of hopping in my car, driving three hours to go see a beautiful hiking site or a beautiful waterfall or visit this ranch or whatever I want to do. I'm, I'm very, I love adventures. So it's definitely what I love to keep my time up. I've got to say, Melissa, like we don't have a great heritage in space, the Brits. We don't tend to send too many rockets up, but you have got me buzzing with enthusiasm about space. It's so infectious, your enthusiasm. Credit to you. Thank you. Thank you. Oh. It's, 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 a, it's a great industry to, to be interested in. Like I said, the universe is literally still expanding even as we speak. So just knowing that little piece of information just kind of keeps me going. Listen, if uh, any billionaires are listening by any chance, Elon Musk, Richard Branson, any other rich man who wants to send something up into space, she's your girl. You need to you need to let Melissa have a seat on your aircraft. So <laughs> they better they better fight Dave Kremen about that. <laughs> I think I'm not letting her go. I'm not letting her go. <laughs> we can get some branding. We'll get Stratton Industries on the side of the rocket, Dave. Don't worry. Don't worry. We'll make it worth your while. <laughs> We're going to make our own, Claire. We're going to make our own. <laughs> I do, I, do you know what? I believe you probably could. Any predictions from either of you? I don't mind who answers this first. Any predictions about the future of manufacturing in your view? And potentially about doing business in the state of Connecticut. We have such a rich history in manufacturing. What's your predictions for the future? I'll go first. I think it's really exciting. I think we're going to do tremendously well in Connecticut with uh, the very sophisticated manufacturing we do here. We have a great skill base, and I think we really got that going. And way back in World War II, we kept it going. A lot of people think it's been decimated, but it's really just sort of changed shape. Sure, we don't have as many gigantic companies, perhaps, but there are many, many companies that are involved with manufacturing in Connecticut. They're doing very exciting things. They are not always visible to the public, but they're there. And so I think we've just got this really, really bright future. I think Connecticut has the ability to really ride a great wave in the future. We've got to pay attention to a few things, but there are some very good things going out, particularly in training programs and supportive training programs at companies such as ours. And that really helps with the state stepping in and saying, hey, we're gonna we're gonna participate, we're gonna partner with you in this endeavor. And that has made a difference. So I'm I'm very up on what we're doing now and how the future looks. What do you think, Melissa? I 100% agree. And one thing that I do want to touch on is I know in the next five, 10 years, additive manufacturing and precision additive manufacturing will be something that I'm pretty sure Strand will sink its fingers into. Additive manufacturing is think of 3D printing, but more precise and for a high level thing like aircrafts. There's a lot of research and a lot of studying going on with additive manufacturing to make sure that those type of products are meet up to par with traditional manufacturing. And I can almost guarantee it that within the five, 10 years, we will have at least something in that. 
I am absolutely in awe, Dave. I think this girl needs a pay rise. I'm just going to put it out there now. You know, I feel like as a third party negotiator, I could be her manager. I think she's definitely due a pay rise. She's got a lot of, she's got a big family. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I think she's, I, I, I'm, I'm getting ready for her to just take over my seat. I think I'll walk in my office someday and she's going to be sitting there. I think she and, will. Think and, she and, will. I'm okay, and I'm okay with that, Melissa. Just send me the checks, okay? <laughs> Absolutely. You got a boss. <laughs> Listen, guys, it's been an absolute pleasure speaking to you today. It truly has. I feel really enthused and buzzed up. And I think it's a credit to you both, you know, especially yourself, Dave. You seem to have a really happy workforce and a really passionate organization, which is always really nice, you know, particularly on Meet the Manufacturers. I love to uncover these stories of manufacturing within Connecticut and some of the huge success stories, but also the vibrancy and excitement of it so that we can debunk those old myths of, of what manufacturing and shop work used to be many moons ago. So thank you so much for your time. If people want to carry on this conversation and find out more about you, your company, space, how to snag Melissa from you, how can they reach you? Do you have a website, social media or a LinkedIn or anything? We sure do. It's www.stratton.com. And that's how they can find us. It's all there with all our further contact information. And uh, we're easy to find. Amazing. Check out the website. Melissa, Dave, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you for being a part of Meet the Manufacturers podcast. Thank you, Claire. Thank you very much. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this episode of Meet the Manufacturers, brought to you by Manufacture CT. If you would like to find out more about Manufacture CT, or you would like to join the organisation, visit the website manufacturect.org. This podcast is sponsored by Cone Resnick, Advisory, Assurance, Tax. Visit their website, coneresnick.com. If you have enjoyed listening to this episode and want to find out more about the vibrant and thriving manufacturing community in Connecticut, subscribe to and share this podcast today. Meet the Manufacturers is available on all podcast platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music and Spotify. This podcast was created and produced by Red Rock Branding, redrockbranding.com.